This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And good morning, and welcome to Worship Online with West Concord Baptist Church. I hope you and your family are doing well. Boy, these are crazy times, aren't they? Our governor just said we have five more weeks of masks and lockdowns and all of those things. And I know parents are struggling because of school, who goes, who doesn't go, how am I going to watch my kids, how am I going to work? And so we have those things going on. We have people who have their jobs in question. We're getting tired of the masks, getting tired of the distancing, and it's just craziness. Plus a political uh, election coming with all the ramifications of that. We have unrests and riots in our cities. It has really just continued to be crazy. That's why we've been talking about peace and rest, joy and liberation. And today we're going to talk about rest because, you know, even though a lot of us are quarantined and even though a lot of us can't get out and do the things we want to do, we still seem to be at unrest. We still seem to be struggling because we're not sure what's going to happen. What if COVID hangs around for another six, eight, 10, 12 months? What's going to be the story. We don't know what's going to happen if our favorite politician uh, doesn't get elected. What's going to happen with our country? So there are a lot of things that even though we might not be as active as we were, they keep us upset. They keep us restless. So we're going to talk about resting in God's care today. And we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 17 in just a moment. But let me share with you uh, something from the New Testament as we begin. Because Jesus wanted to let his apostles and his disciples know that, listen, life is tough now as you're following me. And when I go, it's going to be tough or it's going to be difficult. And he gives this invitation and he's giving us this invitation today. Now, we're going to be primarily in the Old Testament, but I want you to share. I want to share with you rather Jesus invitation to come and find rest in him. And it's in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, We're going to look at verse 29. This is very familiar. I know you know this. You could probably say it from memory. But Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, aren't we laboring today? Aren't we just heavy laden? If we don't have physical activity and labor going on, we're heavy laden with worries, doubts, fears, and anxieties. He said, come to me, all you who are labor, excuse me, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know what a yoke is. It's something that you would harness uh, horses or oxen to pull a plow or to pull. And oftentimes when they put that yoke on, they would put it on side by side and you would have teams of horses working. Well, Jesus says, put his yoke on us so that we might pull his plow, if you will, also yoking up with him alongside of us. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Notice what he says here. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know, I think part of the problems today is we yoked up with other things. We've yoked up to the economy. We've yoked up to politics. We've yoked up to Uh, health, uh, welfare, all of those things. We've yoked up to all these things and we're counting on them to get better. And hopefully maybe they will. Hopefully things will get better. That's what we're praying for. But what if they don't? Or what if one does and the other doesn't? What if some things change for the better, but some things change for the worse? 
And whatever we're yoked with, whatever we're connected with, whatever we're hanging on to, that's the direction we're going to go to. So we want to make sure that we try to yoke ourselves with Christ, rest in Him, learn of Him, because He wants to help make our lives better. And so I want to share with you what it means, though, to rest in God. And this quote that I'm going to share with you comes from Hannah Whithall Smith, who is a Christian lady and involved in the suffragette movement, involved in the holiness movement. She was a, a dedicated servant of Jesus Christ above all. And she said this, she said, no soul can be really at rest until it has given up all dependence on everything else and has been forced to depend on the Lord alone. As long as our expectation is from other things, nothing Nothing but disappointment will await us. So she says, real rest, true rest will not come until we are fully dependent upon the Lord. That means dependent upon the Lord for our provision, for our health, for our peace, for our joy, and yes, for our liberation from whatever is enslaving us, encircling us, or chaining us. And until we do that, especially as believers, there won't be anything but disappointment. I mean, uh, this world is disappointing right now and it's just roiling and who knows what's going to happen. I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. I'm with you. I'm hoping things clear up and I see some good positive signs, but there are other signs I don't see. So I want to make sure that as we go through this, that I'm finding my rest, my peace, my joy in Christ. So take your Bibles with me and let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17, back in the Old Testament. And we're going to get introduced rather to a new prophet. A new prophet. Now, you've heard of him before. His name is Elijah. And uh, maybe you grew up in Sunday school, children's church, and you heard all about Elijah and his many adventures. And you're probably quite familiar with this story. But in this point in Scripture, this is the introduction of Elijah. And Elijah is called upon the scene. He is called by God because the nation of Israel, the Jews, are just sliding into that idolatry, sliding into that uh, sinful worship and turning their backs upon God that led to their captivity that Malachi refers to that they were delivered from. And so we're going to see Elijah come on the scene under King Ahab. King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was a horrible guy. King Ahab was a selfish, weaselly, little self-oriented man. And uh, he was a horrible king. He was a wicked king. And one of the reasons he was that way, because he married wrong. Rather than marry somebody within the faith that he understood, rather than marry somebody that worshiped the God of all glory, who could have built him up and helped him, no, no, he worshiped, or rather he married Jezebel, a woman by the name of Jezebel. You know, when I say that name, that name Jezebel just automatically sends alert signals up, red flags up. The name Jezebel is associated with all things wicked and sordid and debauched. Jezebel was that kind of person. She was of the pagan nations and she was a Baal worshiper. She worshiped the god Baal. She didn't worship the biblical god Jehovah or Yahweh. She worshiped the Baal god. And it was a mistake for Ahab to marry her. But Ahab was that kind of guy who needed a woman to tell him what to do. He was just sort of a weaselly guy. He just probably was attracted to her good looks, attracted to her strength, and married her and just ignored God. 
That's why I tell young people today, listen, you find somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you and you will marry well. Ahab didn't. And so Ahab and Jezebel formed this unholy team and they were taking the Jews down the path of destruction. And so God raised up Elijah to come and to be his prophet, to bring his message. And uh, that's what Elijah did. So as we get ready to jump into this passage, let's bow together in prayer and ask God to help us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, thank you again for the privilege of gathering around your word. I do pray for everybody watching and listening to this presentation, Father, that they are uh, making it through these difficult times, that, Father, you're undergirding, you're helping. Lord, you're protecting. I pray that you keep them all safe, provide for their needs. And, Father, I pray first and foremost that we would seek you out and find our rest in you. Help us, Lord, we pray as we open your word, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as we jump into this, we start with a national plight that takes place. And again, one of the reasons I've chosen this passage is, again, we're going through a worldwide plight. We're going through a, a virus, a pandemic, and a natural disaster, if you will, because that's, that's what you'd have to call it, a natural disaster that's affecting the entire world and uh, the United States and North Carolina and Cabarrus County. And uh, there was a plight also in Elijah's day. And the similar things between our plight and his plight are both that they are energized or at least they are allowed by God to occur. Notice in verse 7, chapter 17, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, now again, this is Elijah's debut, his introductory moment in his ministry. And he appears before King Ahab. And he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, and the word there is in all capitals, which means God by the name of Yahweh, Jehovah. As the Lord God of Israel lives, the only true God, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Nation of Israel was locked into idolatry, into pagan demonic worship. And God was getting ready to judge them. And in order to add gravitas to Elijah's message from God, God called Elijah to order a drought and a severe drought, not even due in the morning. And this, this was going to come and it was going to affect the entire land. It was going to affect the economy. It was going to affect the people's morality and morals and morale. It was going to affect their uh, uh, health in that they were not able to raise the food they needed and not, they weren't able to have all the water that they needed. God wanted to get their attention. Just like I think God is trying to get our attention today. So there was a plight. And here we have this new prophet coming on the scene. This man, Elijah, all of a sudden appears. We don't know much about his background. He was from Tishba, and he also was from Gilead in, the, in that general vicinity. Uh, but other than that, we don't know too much about him. But he was a man who was alone. He didn't have it this time. Later, he acquired Elisha as an assistant. But right now, he was by himself. All he had was the Lord, yet he was able, in the strength of the Lord, to stand up against the king. And there was a new predicament because of his word, this drought that would affect the whole nation, the lands surrounding the nation. God means business when he wants to get his people's attention. 
And again, I don't know if God has raised up a new prophet during our time. I haven't seen or heard anyone, but we do have wonderful preachers all over the country trying to preach and teach the Word of God. And the thing is, we need to listen to them like Ahab needed to listen to Elijah. Because I believe God has brought this pandemic as a plight to us, and so therefore we're in a new predicament as well. So I think we need to listen to this. And listen, droughts, uh, pandemics, they bring uh, difficulty, struggle, economic, health, everything. It's tough. And so we have this plight going on. And uh, we can wish it away. We can pray it away. But right now it's here because God wants it to be here. And I wonder what he's trying to share with us. We've talked about that before. But right now, regardless of whether we figure it out or not, it's difficult. It's tough. I mean, you can imagine living during this time when a drought came. We're not talking about just a little seasonal drought. That means we can't sprinkle our yards every other day or something like that. No, no. This was a drought that severely affected this nation because nations then were agrarian. Their economies depended upon crops being watered and growing. Their economies depended upon livestock being watered and fed by the grains and by the grasses that grow. So this was devastating. And I can imagine the people of Israel and the surrounding countries just struggling, much like we're struggling today, and maybe even worse, maybe even worse. And so what do you do? And then, and then Elijah, put yourself in his place, this prophet who brings this new predicament. He's the guy who the drought won't clear up until he says so by the power of God. So imagine the pressure that Elijah is under. And I'm sure he didn't make Ahab very happy. Matter of fact, Ahab and Jezebel became just enraged at him. And there were several attempts to try to kill him. And so imagine the pressure, imagine the struggle that Elijah is dealing with. And so God senses that. You know, when God's people are put in the midst of predicaments and they're told to stand and they're told to trust and they're told to have faith, there are times when sometimes the crushing effects of predicaments do tend to really lean on us. So God tells Elijah in the midst of this predicament, he's saying, I want you to go to a place. So let's look at the place. Look at verse two. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which, is, which flows into the Jordan. In other words, God knew that Elijah was feeling the pressure of the predicament. God knew not only was Elijah, he was alone, he had no support at the moment, other than God, which is plenty, but earthly speaking, he was alone. He had no family, he had no assistance, no helpers, he was alone. And he was struggling because, listen, the predicament that he called down upon the people of Israel and upon Ahab also affected him. He lived there too. And he needed to eat and drink and have a life. And so he was not only struggling with the parameters of the drought, but he was also dealing with the horrendous pressure when suddenly, because of the message of God, he has become public enemy number one. And so God says, look, you need some refreshment. You need to get away. And so God sends him to a place. So let's look at this place. I want you to notice, first of all, it is a hidden place. It is a hidden place. He says, I want you to get away and go to the brook Kareth, which is a brook that comes off of and then flows into uh, the Jordan River. Now, we know that this brook was a seasonal brook, which meant that during the times of rainy, the rainy season and during the times of plenty, 
there was fresh water flowing there. But when the drought came, and oftentimes in the heat of the summer, the, the brook would dry up. As a matter of fact, not only it is a hidden place then, it's a hidden place today because archaeologists and biblical scholars still aren't exactly sure where the brook Kareth was. It was east of Jordan, it was east of the Jordan River, and we know the general vicinity, but because of the nature of this brook, it was something that when it was lively, it was lively, but when it was dried up, you may know a brook was there, you may not. And so God wanted to take him to a place that was insignificant, that was hidden. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to back away from the world. We need to back away from all of our troubles. And we need to go kind of curl up in a place that is just between you and, and God. And he says, not only is it a hidden place, but it's a hiding place. He said, listen, I want you to get away from here. I want you to get away from Ahab. I want you to get away from the spotlight. I want you to get away from the pressure. And I want you to go to a specific quiet place. And I want you to hide there for a little while. I want you to hide. I want you to hide from Ahab. And not only from Ahab, but I'm sure there are other people in his court. And I'm sure there are other people in the, in the land that knew that this upstart prophet was the one who said the drought is coming and only at my word will it, will it subside. And so people probably thought, my word, he was under a lot of pressure and he was probably frightened for his life. So he sends him to this place, the Brook Kareth, which is a hidden place, still hidden today. And it was a hiding place, a place of safety, a place of, of security. Many of y'all know that my house is infested with cats, okay? We have the little vermin running around the house and everything else. And usually when we're home and everything's peaceful and quiet, the cats are laying on the couch or laying on the floor or they're ambling through the house, checking things out. But if the doorbell rings, if somebody rings our doorbell, they shoot like crazy into our bedroom and hide under our bed. And so at any time, if you come to my house and knock on the door, or ring the doorbell, you will freak out a bunch of cats and they will run and hide. And they like to be in a dark place where they can't see anybody because an animal believes if he can't see you, you can't see him. And so at any given time, when there's any kind of upset or noise, those cats are under our bed in our bedroom hiding out. And, uh, and that's kind of safe for them. They feel like that's safety. They feel like that's comfortable. And that's what God wanted for Elijah. And listen, there are times then that's what God wants for us as well. He wants us to find a place where we can go and hide, a place where we can get away from everyone and everything, if only for a season. So the predicament comes at Elijah's word, this new prophet. And the place God says, look, you need to get out of here. I'm going to show you the place, the brook Kareth. It's hidden. I want you to go hide there. And then I want you to notice as we continue on, when he goes there, now remember, he's under a drought. They're under a drought. How is he going to get water? How is he going to get food? Well, I want you to notice the provision of God. You know, we forget this all the time. We rely upon our economy. We rely upon our politicians who make promises to us and we rely upon our jobs and so forth. But we have seen in the last few months that those things are rather precarious. We've seen over the last few months that jobs are not necessarily secure and politicians, well, we've known this for a while, aren't necessarily truthful. And so we are on sort of a precarious place. And so it calls us to trust in God's provision. And so he takes him to the brook Kareth. And I want you to notice in verse four, 
And it says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. You know, this is an amazing, wonderful, miraculous spiritual moment. God says, I want you to go to this hidden place and I want you to hide there. And you don't need to worry about how you're going to drink or how you're going to eat or who's going to take care of you because God is literally telling Elijah, I will take care of you. Now, Elijah has no job other than prophet. Elijah is public enemy number one. Elijah has no congregation to take up an offering for him. Elijah has no TV ministry. There's no internet for him to preach on. There's no financial support for him. He has to rely upon God. He has to rest in God. And God says again in verse 4, Listen, I will take care of your physical needs. I will give you physical refreshment. I will, I will make sure there is water in the brook. Even in the midst of the drought, I will make sure that you will have water in that brook. And notice this other thing. I will command the ravens to feed you there. You know, today we're relying upon curbside service and delivery. You know, DoorDash and those kinds of things. And we'll call people up and they'll deliver stuff. Imagine sitting in next to a brook out in the middle of nowhere and black raven birds come and bring your food to you. We don't know exactly what they brought him to eat. We don't know what they brought him. Maybe they brought him manna. We don't know that. But we don't know what they brought him to eat. But evidently it was enough and it's amazing that God used the bird to deliver him. You know, my daughter works at Chick-fil-A and they, have, they make deliveries and she goes out and they deliver bird. But can you imagine a bird delivering food to you? Could you imagine a chicken coming to your house carrying a, a thing of chicken nuggets? Boy, that doesn't sound too creepy, does it? But imagine that God uses that to provide. But look what it says in verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Don't read over that. Elijah was obedient to stand up to the king before God. And Elijah was also obedient to move away and to trust in God's provision. He didn't say, well, Lord, how in the world am I going to live? Lord, how in the world am I going to meet my needs? How am I going to get something to eat? And if the water dries up, how am I going to drink? No, he didn't do that. He rested, trusted, had faith in God's word. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. Verse 6, and here it is. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Maybe they brought him Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I don't know. But they brought him bread. We don't know what kind of bread. Who made the bread? God made the bread. What kind of meat did he eat? You know, but they brought this to him. There had to be a lot of ravens to bring enough for a man to eat. And it goes on to say, they brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So God miraculously provided for his physical refreshment. And in doing so, Elijah was able to gain spiritual refreshment. How? Because he saw God keeping his word. He saw God in that he provided for his physical refreshment. He also saw that God, who had promised to take care of him, met that promise. It wasn't exactly what Elijah was thinking of, maybe. Who, who, who would have thought that, well, I'll drink from a brook in the middle of a drought and I'll let birds bring my food and, 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 and bread? Who does that? He had to trust in this miraculous God to do miraculous things in his life. 
And so not only did he get physical refreshment, but he also received spiritual refreshment. And he needed that because, listen, again, he was standing up and becoming very unpopular. He was standing up and taking a very unpopular message to an evil king and queen. He was basically going to tell them, you either get your act together or God is going to deal harshly with you. And listen, to Jezebel and to Ahab, this is not what they wanted to hear. How dare you? Can you imagine going to the president of the United States or the governor of our state or the king of another country and saying, look, you're doing a lousy job. You're rotten. You're horrible. And God is coming after you. Can you imagine? You probably wouldn't even be able to get in their palace, their, their government building to tell them that. Even if you wrote it in a letter, they would, some secretary or some assistant would probably tear it up. But can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine the place that Elijah was put in to take the message of God? As a matter of fact, most of the Old Testament prophets suffered greatly because they had to take those messages of judgment from God. And so he needed to rely upon God. Reliance upon God gave him courage and confidence to stand up for God. I submit to you that many Christians today don't stand up for God in the midst of this ungodly culture because they're fearful. They're fearful of what man will do to them. They're fearful of what their friends will say about them. They're fearful of the ramifications. But listen, God tells us over and over and over again, if we will lovingly and graciously stand for Him, for His Word, for His truth, for His mission, He would provide for us. Now listen, this isn't a wealth and prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that God will make you rich or God will meet all of your material desires. But listen, Jesus said where your heart is, there where your, is where your treasure is, and God will make sure we have enough to eat and enough to drink. God may not give us everything we want, but He'll give us everything we need. And so this is why He needed that spiritual refreshment. You and I, as we're going through these pressures, as we're going through these struggles, we need to take time. And some do. Some take time and go to the beach. Some people go to the mountains. People are taking vacations. I think that's great. But understand this. This is not just what you would think of as a vacation. This is a kind of a getting away. You know, you can do this without even leaving the area. You just go find a quiet place through the day. Just take an hour, maybe take half a day through the week. You know, this is why God gave the Jews the Sabbath so they could work six days, but rest on that seventh day. And it wasn't just for spiritual refreshment and renewal or physical refreshment and renewal. It was for spiritual refreshment and renewal. You know, I, I, I think when you go on vacation, do you go to church when you go on vacation? I do. You know, why shouldn't I? God doesn't take a vacation. My spiritual walk with him shouldn't take a vacation. When I'm on vacation, I still have my devotional time. I still have prayer time. Matter of fact, I pray more on vacation probably than I do when I'm home. Lord, help my car to run well. Help my kids not to go crazy. You know, all those things. Maybe you do the same thing. But nonetheless, we need to take times alone with God. It may be in the swing on your porch. It may be in your backyard. It may be in some quiet spot in town that you can just sit and just reflect and relax and just hide away from the world for a little while with your scriptures and, and bow to God and just talk to Him, cry unto Him, bring your, your needs before Him and let God, yes, physically refresh you. That's why He created the Sabbath. Now, most of us watching and listening are probably Gentiles. And the Sabbath, by the way, is on Saturday. And uh, many of us, we have home chores on Saturday. 
But, you know, unlike the Jews, we can still enjoy a Sabbath. It doesn't have to be Saturday. You can have a Sabbath any day of the week. Just take time and get away. Get away from the family. Get away from the job. Get away from the hassle and trust the Lord. Get a good book. Get a good wholesome movie. Just relax. Get something good to eat. You know, doctors and sociologists will tell us that oftentimes depression and mood swings are caused by not getting enough rest or by eating the wrong things or not enough good foods or too much. We need to make sure that we take care of the physical temple of God, but we also need to make sure that we get the refreshment spiritually that we need through His Word. Take time to focus on it. Take time to meditate on it. That's what, that's what Elijah did. He, listen, the predicament was horrible. The plight was, was horrible. And here he was. He was the prophet who was bringing all this bad news. But God provided him a place to hide away. And God also provided him physical and spiritual refreshment. And so here is Elijah. We find him in this, in this pastoral atmosphere next to this wonderful brook. I bet it was beautiful and I bet it was peaceful. But listen, God didn't intend for him to live there. As we finish out this passage, yes, God uh, brought a plight. Yes, he provided Elijah a place to rest and gave him provision for refreshment. But there's also the time of passing. In other words, sometimes we've got to jump back into it again. So look what he says. It says in verse 7, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Even that brook began to dry up as the drought began to grow. And God allowed this brook to dry up because there had been no rain in the land. Why did God allow that brook to dry up? That was Elijah's only source of water. You know, here he was in this hidden place. Why did God allow that to happen? Because God was telling Elijah, okay, enough. You, it's time now to get up. It's time now to get going. You know, we need those times of rest. We need those times of refreshment. But we need to have them so that way we can get back into the world, get back into the business at hand, engage the situation, and have strength and stamina now to push on more successfully. You know, rest is great, but it only should last for a season. We should then get up. The brook dried up. This was God's way of saying, okay, Elijah, back to work. Get up, time to get up, time to go back. And I hate to say this, but yeah, sometimes that's the way it is. It's that way every morning, isn't it? When we go to sleep, we get in our beds, we pray, we relax, we drop off to sleep, and all of a sudden, that horrible sound happens. That alarm rings in the morning, and oh my goodness, I've got to get up and adult again. I've got to get up and face Monday again. I've got to go face my supervisor. I have to go out and try to find a job. I have to make sure that the chores are taken care of. I've got all of this stuff. Because even when we rest, it doesn't go away. But what we do in the midst of rest is that we are refreshed and regenerate, regenerated and energized so that when we do get up and go back, we're able now to more ably handle the challenges at hand. And so this is what Elijah had to do. And Elijah had an amazing ministry. Elijah, as a matter of fact, is one of the few prophets that didn't die a martyr's death. You know the story of Elijah. You can read ahead what happened to him. He was taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah never experienced physical death. He was taken up by God. Why? Because God needed to teach those who are around him and us 
a few things about faithfulness. But Elijah nonetheless struggled in his ministry. There was another time he made King Ahab upset and Elijah ran like a scared rabbit away from him. And God had to refresh him and encourage him again. Same thing with his later assistant, Elisha. Listen, standing up for God is not for sissies. By the way, that's why most Christians won't do it. Standing up for God means that some people will not like you. Standing up for God means that you won't be popular sometimes. I'm not talking about going out and being obnoxious and graceless. Even if you stand up with grace and kindness and love, if you stand for the truth, someone is going to hate your guts for that. That's what Jesus told his disciples. The world is going to hate you, but know this, I have prevailed over the world. And so, yes, if we stand up for the Lord during this difficult time, or if we just stand in the gap and take care of our families, if we keep struggling, keep pushing, keep pounding, keep plugging, we're going to get tired. We're going to get worn out. Rest. Stop. Pull back. I know I've got workaholics watching me and listening to me today. I know that you're looking at me saying, Brother Mike, I haven't got time to rest. Listen, you haven't got time not to rest. Your family's depending upon you. Maybe your church, this church is depending upon you. But I do know that God is wanting you to rest. And so I want to encourage you, take time to refresh. Refresh physically. Get some body, bodily rest. Get some refreshment. Get some good sleep. Eat a nourishing meal. Get some good food. Take time to just relax. Get your mind off of things. Put your mind and heart back with the Lord. Get the scriptures. Read a little bit. Let God encourage you. But then the brook will dry up and it's time to go back. How much rest do you need? Well, that's between you and God. You know, Elijah, we don't know how long he was with at the brook Kareth. It doesn't tell us. It just says after a few days or after a little while or after some time, the brook dried up. And I imagine the ravens quit bringing sandwiches to him. So it was time to go. And sure enough, he continued his ministry. It was successful, a successful ministry. So rest is good, but it must pass. But I want to encourage you this morning. This is why I'm sharing this message. Because we are under a lot of pressure. We are under a struggle. Uh, trying to take care of your family. Trying to make ends meet. Trying to do things. It's a struggle here at the church. I understand that. Difficulty. Maybe you're dealing with other things. Maybe you're dealing with health issues or relationship issues or money issues that aren't COVID related. You got to take time to refresh and to rest. So please do that. Put that in your calendar. As we close this morning, I love what uh, Andrew Murray, the great pastor and the great theologian said. He said, do not strive in your own strength. Cast yourself at the feet of the Lord Jesus and wait upon Him in the sure confidence that He is with you and works in you. Remember, we talked about the presence of the Lord before. Strive in prayer. Let faith fill your heart so you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so we need God's strength during this time. We need God's provision. We need God's care. Because listen, nothing in this world is going to do it for you. Oh, you may find pleasure in something or someone for a brief time, but that'll get old. We get very fickle. We get very bored quickly. Or somebody's going to let you down or something is going to let you down. Your job, your politician, your political party, your family. 
Something's going to happen and you're going to get all messed up again. Why? Because our heart is set on those things and not resting upon God. And remember this about God from Hebrews chapter 13. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God never changes. He never has and He never will. The same God who was meeting the needs of Elijah in the midst of his predicament and his plight is the same God who will meet your needs and mine. It's the same God who left the splendor of heaven, put himself in human flesh, endured all the heartaches and struggles that we endured, allowed himself to be cruelly beaten, slashed and, and whipped and crucified. He died a horrendously agonizing death. He was buried and rose again from the dead. And he provides salvation to all who would seek him out. What a faithful and wonderful God we have. And listen, if he went through all that trouble to save you and I, then don't you think he wants to continue to bless us, strengthen us, and help us in the midst of our struggles? As the old Imperials song once said, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. So as we go through the COVID virus, as we go through the unrest out there, God is here with us. And so we need to sometimes get away from all the distractions and the difficulties and the disturbances. And we need to find a hidden, quiet place and hide away from it for a little while. Get on our knees, get in the Word, get some rest, refresh. Let God encourage us. So when the brook dries up, we can jump back in it again and we can handle it until we get through it. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He didn't leave you. He didn't lead you this far to leave you. He still wants to help you. So I pray today that you know Christ is your Savior. But if you do know Him, I ask you today for your own good, take some time on a consistent, regular basis. Go to a place, maybe a brook by a pastoral setting. Maybe a quiet room in your house. Maybe somewhere, a coffee shop or somewhere else where you can go. Maybe out in the woods. Maybe to the beach. Take time to rest, refresh, and reflect upon God's love and let Him provide. And then you and I will be able to face the challenges of life afresh. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.